We're now going to be reading the text for today's sermon, which is in the book of James, chapter 4 and verses 13 to 14. If you have a Bible with you, please open James chapter 4 and verses 13 to 14. Sorry, 13 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Thanks, Kenny. Find my spot as well. Um, so it's um, it's very lovely to be with you on this New Year's Day. Thank you for having me and my family. Um, Craig and Kerry have been and are very good friends to us. We've had a very special few days since Tuesday afternoon it's here in Perth. It's been great to be here. Um, when I met Craig, he wasn't very good at sports, so I trained him a bit in high school, and he slowly improved. Um, but they've been such good friends to us over the years. It's lovely, really. Um, <clears throat> I think Mark said we weren't going to sing our song, so um, I won't sing it, but we have a little song in Africa, um, which words go like this, Singaba Hamba Yotina. Singaba Hamba. I might sing it very briefly. It's a short song. Singaba Hamba Yotina. It means we're travelers in this world. Singaba Hamba Yotina. Kulom Klaba. But we're going home to heaven. And then the chorus goes, Siti, which means we say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. It's a, it's a song which um, might help us a bit with this morning's sermon. Um, a sermon in one way or another will help us remember, Singaba Hamba Yotina. We're just travelers here, pilgrims, here for a little while. But our true home is in God's heavenly kingdom. Um, and because of that, we say hallelujah. Um, there's a life and a, a home beyond Perth and beyond Australia and beyond South Africa. Um, I'm going to pray and ask God to greatly help us. I know we've prayed. I'll pray briefly for myself and for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this gathering of the saints. And we pray others too who are coming to church perhaps for the first time in a while. Um, would you use these next minutes helpfully in our lives as we stand um, on the verge of a new year and begin a new 365 days if you will spare us. So please help us in these next few minutes to be better prepared for the days and weeks ahead to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if I have my facts straight, I was in Australia um, around about the 26th of December 2004, which for those of you who are Indonesian, but all of us might remember, that was the time when a terrible tsunami hit Indonesia and many people died. I think it was the 26th of December 2004. The world and the Eastern Hemisphere came to a standstill. But on the night before, which would have been Christmas or Christmas Eve, the Indonesians did not know 
that a horrific tsunami was coming their way. Um, I doubt that the people living in Poland at the end of August 1939 knew that Adolf Hitler was about to pay them a visit the next morning and invade their country. Um, um, nor did the Czechoslovakians know that he had interest in the Sudetenland and that he would bring his forces and his tanks into that part of Czechoslovakia some months later. Um, well, James says that um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So as we start our um, sermon this morning, I was thinking of some of those examples, how little we know about tomorrow. Um, sometimes wonderful things are ahead of us and sometimes tragedies are very difficult times, trials. I've chosen these verses today because I guess subconsciously we're all planning one way or another um, for the new year and for what lies ahead, um, thinking, hoping, um, writing things in our diaries if we've got one yet. Well, um, these verses really do speak to plans and what, what we have in mind for the coming days of our lives. Um, to get a little bit of a feel for this letter called James, James is very concerned about this, this one thing really throughout his letter that people who have come to know God will live lives of integrity, that they'll be whole Christians if you like, that they'll be totally devoted to the Lord. And so in chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, he, he warns about the double-minded pers- person who's not whole, who's not, if you like, seeking complete devotion to the Lord Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 7, For the double-minded person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So James is urging us to become mature or complete Christians. In chapter 1, verse 4, it says that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Even as we experience trials and hardships to be growing in our trust in God. So in our verses for today, chapter 4, verse 13 onwards, James is addressing resourced people. People with aspirations and ambitions in business or trade. And people who could afford to travel away from the city they lived in. I've met people in my life who live in a very small area of Cape Town and have never left that area. And I've met plenty of people who've never left this province or the state that we live in. They've never been beyond those borders. But James is addressing people in our verses today who can travel away from the city they live in. Someone who could say this. Verse 13 of chapter 4, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Doesn't sound bad. <clears throat> Sounds rather like an organized and motivated person. Um, certainly a well-to-do person in the first century. And to our, our ears, I suspect that this sentence, if you like this motto at the top of your year planner, that we're going to go and do this and that and make a profit and so on, it sounds completely innocent. Sounds very normal. I wouldn't have necessarily questioned someone who said to me, well, my plan for the New Year is to make my way to Beijing or make my way to Sydney or make my way to Kuala Lumpur, whatever it may be, and go and do some trade there and hopefully make a profit. I would have thought, well, it sounds like good business sense to me. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And yet just two verses later, chapter 4, verse 15, James says to to this person, No, my friend, no, my friend, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live 
and do this or that. So in our few minutes together this morning, James is going to look at that one utterance of verse 13. The year planner, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, trade and make a profit. And James puts us on God three times, G-U-A-R-D, on God three times in our verses today, considering that year planning statement. Firstly, it says, verse 14, to you who make these confident assertions about today or tomorrow, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And as I stand here today, I do not know what the 2nd of January will bring. I think I'm going to be in Sydney, but I can't guarantee you. The psalmist says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book, O God, before one of them came to me. The older preachers used to say, and God may strike me at any moment. Yet this trader or this resourced person able to travel in verse 13 says of tomorrow, he knows what's going down. I'm going there. I'm going to do reasonably well. She knows what's going down. Recently, my wife and daughter were at Sydney Airport. They were getting ready to travel to Auckland. This was about 10 days ago to, to Auckland to visit family there. And while Rose was waiting to board her flight, she got a call from her family in Auckland saying, do you really want to come? We've got some strong COVID to give you in our house. If you do come to, to Auckland, do you really want to come? <clears throat> well, Auckland never happened. Evidently, it wasn't part of God's will. And Rose and I, despite our careful planning, didn't see it come to fruition. It never happened. It's in, been planned and paid for months earlier by Rose and her sister. Do you know what the 2nd of January will bring? Notice the presumption in what is said in verse, four th- in, in verse 13. We will trade. And not only will we trade, but we will score. We will make a profit in that business venture. How do you know? Notice the project is about money. We will profit. I'm sure there are plenty of you who are involved in business here today, men and women, others who will be going to that world. And if I was a businessman, well, I'd also like to trade and make a profit. I would also have a year planner and be thinking about well, what's happening in January and what's happening in June and where should I be at the best time to do good business. James hasn't got a problem with good planning. He hasn't got a problem with aspirations. But he does seem to have a bit of a problem with people who make profits their primary agenda. So he says in chapter 1, verse 11, about the rich man. The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. See, life is short. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Good to plan, good to think ahead, yes. But is there not an omission or two, perhaps glaringly so, in this year plan? Is God mentioned? Are God's priorities considered? It seems to be a matter of more trading, leading to more money, under my control, and ultimately a diminished life. This overconfident person, so sure of what is going to happen tomorrow, and sure about his plans that they're going to materialize. A preacher uh, 330 years ago said this of, of this Your plan. He says, I quote, I quote now, a heart 
that is stupidly secure. Stupidly secure in itself. And people live this, live like this way everywhere. Tomorrow is sorted. <clears throat> I'm going to have fun. My life will continue in its upward path and I will be fine. I'm not sure that's how you want to go about your life in 2023. And most people I meet in the circles I move around in, I think they speak this way. I'm pretty certain of what's going to happen and this is what I'm going to do. As for this running after prophet and things and whatever, you know, Jesus says to his disciples, says, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. You do, you do not need to run after all these things. You can work hard and pray hard and plan well, but don't run. Don't seek after all these things as if that's what your life is about. Because people who don't know the Lord are in fact running after all these things, but you don't need to. You have a very good father. He wants you to trust him and to seek him. Rather what I do is I admit to myself that I do not know what January will bring. I don't know what 2023 will bring. I admit it. I get into that headspace and I don't start running after things. I quietly entrust myself into the hands of our loving God who has planned tomorrow rather well. Secondly, James responds to this year planner. Today and tomorrow, I'm going there, I'm going to trade, and I'm going to do well, and I'll see you later. He says, verse 14, you are a mist. You who say next year, we will go and do this and that. What is your life, he asks. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Not only do I not know what I will do tomorrow, where I'll actually be tomorrow, I don't even know if I'll be around tomorrow. I don't know that because I'm a mere mist. Tomorrow itself is in question for all of us. You do not know that you will wake up and be alive tomorrow morning. You do not know it because you're a mist. We do not receive another day by necessity or by right. I'm entitled. I'm only 25 years old. I'm entitled to another day. No. You do not receive tomorrow or another day by some law of nature. It's not a given. If I'm alive tomorrow morning, it's by the mercy of God. My life is a vapor that vanishes, and I'm not all that substantial. I may be one of these big bodybuilders and Charles Atlas or have a very great physique, a very great mind, a very great bank account, a very great legacy, supposedly. But I'm actually insubstantial. You can't touch a mist, can you? My, your hand might get a few water vapor drops on, but you can't touch a mist. Airplanes fly straight through mists. They don't fly through mountains, but a mist is nothing to an aircraft. It's insubstantial, and evidently I am as well. I spoke to a young man not so long ago in Sydney, and rather nonchalantly, he was telling me of what he's planning to do and where he's planning to go in 2025. But will he still be alive in 2025? When I was a boy, um, we used to play rugby, as you know, South Africans like to do, on Saturday mornings in winter. <clears throat> and we were small boys, so we had the early morning games, maybe 
eight o'clock in the morning. And we'd sometimes in winter run onto the field and I couldn't see the poles at the far end of the field. I could see my, my mates and I could see more or less where I was, but those poles were invisible because there was a mist on the field. 25 minutes later, second half, we'd run back onto the field and I could see both sets of poles perfectly from anywhere on the field. That mist had disappeared. 25 minutes later, it was gone. We could see from end to end of the field. And our lives like that, we vanish. 25 minutes later, and we're gone. We live for a short while. Someone looks up. Ah, that person has disappeared. They've gone to their grave. Another true example, I called someone on their mobile phone a little while ago, and her daughter answered. I said, hi, can I speak to Val? Can I speak to your mother, Val? No, Kenny, you can't speak to my mother, Val. Because Val passed away a few months ago. The mist had disappeared of Val's life. The man Job said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The end is in sight from the cradle. When I come from my mother's womb, I'm already, truly going to depart one day, naked again. Job also said, my life is a breath. Well-known verses that I've read not a few times at funerals, quoting Job again. Job chapter 14, verse 1, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. You know, on the very first list in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 of the things that are going to happen in this life, on the very first, the very top of his list is this. There's a time to be born and a time to die. It's the top of his list. There's a time to be born and a time to die. We're a mist. We vanish like the flower of the field. So two simple observations. There's no assurance of tomorrow, even for young people. And secondly, life is very short. The vapor that soon disappears, a little spot of time in eternity. You might think of yourself as one who won't be shaken, strong and healthy and got a good medical aid and drive a nice safe car. Whatever the case might be, you might think you won't be shaken. And yes, you may live 90 years. If you're 10 years old yet this morning or 20 years old, whatever the case might be, you might still be here in 2082 or 2092 or 3000. What is What will it be? 2102. You might still be here in 2102 when most of us aren't. But still, you're a mist. You're only here for a little while, says James. It's a wrong, wrong understanding of yourself. It's a wrong understanding of your own life. If you think you're more than a mist, then you have miscalculated and you need to recalibrate. This wrong understanding, I suspect, leads to wrong priorities. And I, I suspect arrogance. Because I'm going to do this. I'm going to be there. I'm going to trade. And I'm going to make a profit. And I'm going to be around. And the arrogance tends to grow. And we begin to speak presumptuously. We're not conscious that we are frail creatures. And if I am still around in 2023, June, it's because God has decided to preserve me as he has until this day. 
And there's a sense in which for a moment we ought to bow down and say, oh God, thank you, I woke up. And I happen to be among your people on the 1st of January, 2023. Because if it wasn't for your kindness and your good plans, I would have disappeared long ago, like those other mists have disappeared. In your very seats, you can quietly say, thank you, God. You have brought me to this day. I'm breathing, my heart's beating. I'm conscious. I'm sane. The, the alternative is that we are proud. We lose track of eternity and we become consumed with gaining wealth. There's no fear of God or acknowledgement of our frailty. We overreach ourselves and thus we are foolish. I know you don't want to live like that. And I know you don't want to live this way in 2023. And yet the Christians, as we know, have such hope. Because while the mistiness of our lives or our existence is so true, there's another truth about the believer. And that truth is that two millennia back, there was a man, and the man's name was Jesus Christ. And that man was nailed to a wooden cross. He was banged, if you like, smashed onto that cross. And he was dying there for the sins of everyone who put their faith in him. And three days later, though, they'd smashed him to a cross. And they'd put him behind a rock, you know, in a tomb. That man was raised from the dead. That man, Jesus, is alive and well, even today. And he will live forever. And for those who put their hope in him and say, I'm actually very sorry for the way I've gone about in my arrogance. And my pride and my my self-madeness and my independence. And my assumptions about who I am and forgetting about who you are, actually, oh God. For those who will come to Jesus like that and say, I'm very sorry. I actually put my faith in you, raised from the dead, who died for sinners like me. He promises eternal life. He promises you life beyond this misty, short, X number of years. He promises you a new home. Because like I said earlier, Singa Bahamba Yotina, Kulom Klaba. We are travelers on this earth. But see, we're going home to another better place. There's great hope for the Christian. So what do you do? Well, you give yourself to serving the Lord with your whole heart, not a double heart. James is discouraging and rebuking a double-mindedness while you live this short life. He's saying, don't be double now. Don't be so... Take it in by the world's way of thinking and thinking and the world's narratives and everything that's bombarding us and going on all the time. Think carefully. Don't be double. Be a whole committed Christian. Heart, will, mind, strength. Unstable in all you do. Don't be unstable in all you do. You say, don't be like that. Be a whole and committed Christian. Don't have a kinship with the world. To quote an old preacher, our season is short, so moderate your projects towards God's concerns, for very soon we will be promoted to heaven. Well, two things we've said so far. We don't know, actually, what's going down tomorrow. Let's not pretend or overreach. And our lives are short, and they belong to God. And it's only because of him that you're here today. Thirdly, says James to this 
rather arrogant or assumptuous, presumptuous, heading for my New Year planner. Tomorrow, this year, I'm going to this place. Remember, I'm going to trade. I'm going to that city. I'm going to make a profit, and I'll come back with a better bank balance. Third thing James says to this person. He says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. It's not a shrug of the shoulders, I'll do this or that, if some higher power makes it happen. Some fate determined by some power out there. No, it's not that. Not at all for James. When I say, or I use James word and say, if the Lord wills, I'm talking about a personal God. James actually calls him a father. Chapter 1, verse 16 to 18. James believes in a personal, good, and kind God to whom you say, Father, your will be done this year. What you want, let that happen. Chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He's not changing because he's eternal and he's the same. I'm changing. I look a little bit older than I did when I was last year, four years ago. I feel much older than I did. God's not changing. There's no variation due to change. On the, con- on the contrary, he's the father from whom every good and perfect gift comes. A God who gives good things to his people, albeit that he may, he may send difficult trials. But it's this God that James says, if you need wisdom for 2023, if you're thinking, I want to spend this year well for my heavenly father, if you need wisdom for 2023, what does James say about this God? Well, he gives generously to all without withholding to those who come to him and say, I'm somewhat foolish. Not all that clued up in terms of how to faithfully live for God. Haven't got all those dots connected. I'm somewhat foolish. In fact, I'm very foolish at times. Oh God, won't you grant me wisdom? Oh yes, he will. I wouldn't want to go into 2023 without praying for wisdom, quite honestly. This world's too complex and I'm too sinful and too many temptations around me and too many distractions around me. But if you say, if it pleases you, Lord, then I will do such and such this year. That's my heart's desire. That will please the Lord. And what will he do if you say that? Because I'm going to compare two things here. What will the Lord do if your prayer is, and the attitude of your heart is, if the Lord wills, if it pleases the Lord, we will do such and such this year. What will the Lord do? Well, I suspect that what the Lord will do is guide you into his will. I suspect he'll do that. And what could be better? What could be better for January, February, March, going for being guided by God into doing his will? What could be better? The alternative, or if you like, the opposite must also be true. If I'm a person who says, today, tomorrow, I go to such and such a place, I trade and make a profit, what is most likely to happen? Well, then it may very well be that you do go to such and such a place and you do make a profit and you do trade. It may happen. I don't know. But what is happening is what C.S. Lewis described as this. He says there are two kinds of people in this world. The first person is such. He says to the Lord, 
Thy will be done. And the other person says, My will be done. And to the second person, God says, Well, that's fine then. If your prayer is, My will be done, the Lord says, Well, that's fine then. Your will be done. And you get what you want. Your will is done. Not God's will. Because what you wanted is what you got. Or what you get. There are two kinds of people. Are you going to be saying to the Lord, Oh, Father, your will be done? Because I assume he's going to answer that prayer. Or is your prayer going to be, Oh, Father, my will be done? Well, he might just answer that prayer. Which do you want for, which do you want for today? Which do you want for your life? Your short life. Your dependent life. Which do you want for your life? I know what I want and I suspect I know what you want. A good friend of ours died not too long ago. His name was Dr. John Newby. When I first met him and started receiving emails or short letters from him, I would invariably see in parenthesis the two letters in capitals DV. And being rather clueless, I didn't know what DV was. And I don't know if I asked him or looked it up in a dictionary, but DV, as many of you know, stand, stands for Dio Valencia. Dio Valencia. Latin for Lord willing. And the man signed his emails like that every time. If it pleases the Lord, Lord willing, I will be at such and such a place and do such and such a thing. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 10 says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Find out what pleases him. Read your Bible all the time. It's the best way, I think. Find out what pleases him. John Newby understood his frailty and the need for God to help him live faithfully and not proudly. Now James begins to conclude. He said these three things in, in response to the year planner. Remember, you, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Don't be too confident about tomorrow. You're a mere creature and you've not been given foresight or insight, if you like, into what's going to happen tomorrow. It's the first thing he said. You do not know. Admit it. Acknowledge it. Accept it. Not grudgingly, but because you trust in God. Then he said you're a mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. And I said, you ought to say if the Lord wills. But now it begins to conclude. And if you like, if it hasn't been too heavy yet, <laughs> he pulls some even harder punches. He says that if I don't speak from my heart saying, your will be done, what I'm actually doing is engaging in evil boasting. Verse 16. He says, it's not a matter of, well, what I need to do in 2023 is add DV in parenthesis to all my emails. And I'm, I'm right. Huh? I'm right because I've said DV, right? He said, no, it's not that. He's actually calling us to repentance. Because here he speaks about evil boasting. And in his opening lines, he's kind of a little bit in our face. Verse 13. Come now, you who say. Like, Hello. He's saying, come now. Let's think about this. It's not being horrible, but saying, come. You're talking like that. Let's sit around the table and think together. Come now. I've got some words for you. I want you to think again about your life, actually. The alternative to not saying your will be done, if the Lord wills, is evil boasting. You know, evil in James, I think what it means is that it's, hang on to your seats, demonic. I'll say it again. Demonic. Unspiritual. And earthly, quoting from the previous chapter. 
It's not a light thing to engage going to 2023 saying, ah, it's not important what that guy said. James would have you as evil and boasting. I know, I, I know. And for the large majority of you, you do not want to live that way in 2023, and neither do I. An evil boaster. So arrogant. So sure. So confident. So proud. I know you don't want to live like that because you know that your life is fragile. And you want to live to please the Lord. And you do not want to have a simultaneous experience of double-mindedness. Yes, I'm in the world. I'm thinking the way my friends who are not Christians think in my family. And at the same time, I'm going, you don't want to do that. Because what does the Lord do for the double-minded person? Nothing. He says, I won't give that person anything. Their prayers, notes will not be heard. Your prayers will bounce back, says James. The Lord will not give you anything, chapter 1. Because you're an evil boaster, or I am an evil boaster. You ought not to have a love affair with the world. You ought to have a love affair with your heavenly Father. You know he's kind and good. James is quite radical. Chapter 4, verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When he says cleanse your hands, he means cleanse your deeds. And cleanse your hearts, he means cleanse your thoughts. You're double-minded. You see, the person who's Logo, if you like, for 2023 is, I'm going to do this in such and such a place and make such and such a profit and see you later, mate. That person is double-minded and their hands and their hearts need to be washed. And I think we know there's one place only, really, at the cross, where I can be washed because this is evil boasting. And yet, like I said, towards the beginning of my sermon, which is almost over, in case you begin to wonder, It's normal. I bump into people all the time who speak this way. There's, when you come to chapter 4, verse 13, you think, well, that's just a good plan, all right? A motivated woman, a person of ambitions. I want to marry someone like that. They're going somewhere. I want a child, you know, a son-in-law like that. He's doing stuff. Not going to end up depending on me when he marries my daughter because that guy's going somewhere. James says he's an evil boaster. Something wrong there. James is actually calling for repentance on New Year's Day. <laughs> James is calling us to repent on New Year's Day. Say, oh God. Oh God, have mercy on me. Make me humble, like we prayed earlier on. Finally, do the good that you know you're meant to do in 2023. 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Don't be the person who says, blah, blah, blah. I knew before I came to church this morning that I'm frail. I feel frail. Don't be the person who says, I knew before I came to church this morning that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tell me something new, Kenny. Don't be the person who says, blah, blah, I'm so tired. I know that DV saying for many years already. And then you carry on doing what you know is wrong. If you know all these things, if you know that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, like I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you know that you're a frail mist, 
And if you know that you ought to say, Father, what you want, what pleases you, let that be what happens in my life this year, then do what you know is right. It's not enough to know. Intellectual grasp of verses in the Bible is not enough. The Christian lives and bears fruit for God one day at a time until he takes this misty person into eternity and into our heavenly home. James says, do it. If you don't, it is sin. It is sinful to hear, say, blah, blah, blah. Thought you were going to hear something new. Walk out the door and not be saying, oh God, now let me carry out my duty before you. It is sin. And I'm not the one who said so. And once again, I know that the large majority of you, if not to a person, does not want to live 2023 that way. And I'm going to lead you in prayer, and then I'll hand back, I think, to Mark. But will you bow your heads, and we'll pray together. I'll say a few closing things, and then pray. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. You have no control over tomorrow. You are a must. Acknowledge your frailty. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, Dio Valencia, any other approach is evil. Oh, Heavenly Father, this is our prayer. We struggle with many sins and many attitudes and feelings, and we do evil deeds with our hands. But what we really want to do this year is what is pleasing to you. Your will be done, O oh God. And we entrust ourselves to you once more on this New Year's Day. For Jesus' sake. Amen.